we're going to get right into it this morning. Um, yesterday evening, I was on the island, and I was driving, I was in my truck, and I was listening to Christian radio, as everyone should listen to some Christian radio, right? Even though my message is going on a non-Christian network right now, but that's okay. God bless them. They're hearing that right now. We need to cut that. All right, cool. So anyway, um, you know, as I, was re- as I was reading while I was driving, no, I was not texting or driving, all right? I was listening to Christian radio, and uh, the, the DJ came on, and uh, he was about to go into a break, and he, he, he said this question or statement, however you want to take it, um, and it was to himself, but he was kind of saying, what is the greatest thing about Jesus? What is the greatest thing about Jesus? And so instantly, my, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I'm interested to see what he has to say about this. So he said, what is the greatest thing about Jesus? And he goes, I'll tell you as soon as we get back from this break. You know how they always do, you know, they keep you lingering. It's how they do it. Regardless, I never listened to any more of it. I turned it off because I got home. So, and, uh, But when he asked that question, my mind started turning. I started thinking instantly, like, well, what is the greatest thing about Jesus? What is the greatest thing that Jesus has ever done? What is the greatest characteristic? You know, there's, there's uh, so many names in the Bible of God. I think, you know, over a thousand different names in the Bible that uh, tell us about who God is. And each name has a definition and it shows a, a, a characteristic about God, all right? You know, we, we know he's Elohim, which is the God who is what? He's a creator. And uh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who is the provider, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of uh, different names. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, all right? So there's so many different names about God, and which demonstrate or give a definition of what he is all about. And so that also represents Jesus Christ. And so when the, 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 the question or statement was given, what is the greatest thing about Jesus? I started to think to myself, well, what is that? What, I've never really thought that to myself. What is the greatest thing about Jesus? And I, I started thinking about, well, he loves me. Uh, died on the cross for me. He, you know, um, man, he's gave me a great home. I, I live in a great community. Um, I got great friendships. You know, he... He's, I don't get to go to hell because of him. <laughs> That's a plus, all right? Um, so many different things started rolling through my mind. And, and then I started thinking, well, I've also gone through some tough times in life too. And, you know, I've gone through loss, loss of relationships, loss of people in my family. I've gone through uh, financial difficulties. I've gone through uh, struggles spiritually. And so I'm thinking about all of this stuff, and, and I'm trying to incorporate it and, and, and come up with an answer of, what is the greatest thing about Jesus? And the only thing that could come to my mind was, well, everything. Everything is the greatest thing about Jesus. Salvation is the greatest thing about Jesus. Love is the greatest thing about Jesus. Compassion is the greatest thing about Jesus. Uh, the, the challenges that he allows to come into my life, even though I don't like them in the moment, it's still one of the greatest things about Jesus. So when I sit there and I think to myself, what is the greatest thing about Jesus? Well, everything. You know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe what season you're in in your life right now. And you might be going, you might be living the mountaintop life, man. Things are looking great. Things are awesome. Things are flowing like they're supposed to be flowing. Everything's relationships are clicking. Everything is happening. Fantastic. I'm excited for you. But then again, you might be in a season right now where things aren't going so well. 
Maybe the struggle is real. The hurt is painful and the absence is loneliness and all of these different emotions kind of go through our minds. But what I want to encourage you is to know this. Jesus is in every aspect of your life. If you're a Christ follower, I promise you this. Everything that you're going through, the high times and the low times, the good times, the bad times, all of that, Jesus is with you through it all. And he's not going to allow you to droop down so low that he's not going to pick you up. He's not going to allow that to happen. He's going to assure you that, look, when you're on the mountaintop, there will be a valley. But when you hit that valley, I'm also going to be with you even there. But we're going to look at an attribute about Jesus this morning that I think is uh, mesmerizing to me. It's, it's, it just, it's the heart of who he is. It's the, and it should be the heart of who we are as the church. I mean, after all, this message series is called This Is Us. You know, we've talked about generosity and giving. We've talked about those things. We've talked about how that, that is us as a church. I want to ask you this or, or make this statement here. And that is this, that Jesus is about heart of serving. He's about the heart of serving. The power behind a heart to serve. John chapter 13 talks a lot about the example that we're going to get into this morning. You know, starting off in, in John chapter 13, and, and we're not going to go right into that first verse quite yet, but there's a, it's a significant time because this is a, a time in Jesus' life that he's with his group. He's with his disciples in fact, it's just hours before he is taken away uh, to be later crucified. Um, it's, it's hours before he's, he's in this garden of Gethsemane where he spends a, a moment of prayer to, to his father. But right here in this moment in John chapter 13 is a very significant time for us as a church to understand the heart that he has for servanthood. John chapter 13, starting with verse 3, says this. My version might be just a slight bit off than yours. But Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. He got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. Understanding that Jesus was having a meal with his disciples. He was sitting down. He was having a meal with them. And the scripture says what? He got up from the table. He took off the outer garment and he wrapped a towel around his waist. Verse 5, after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Some of you are going to be like, all right, I don't see no pans, no basins around. We're good, you know. Don't worry, don't worry. Sad but humorous story all at the same time, I think. I was at uh, our convention this past July, or our uh, general assembly. We have every other year. And um, it was in Nashville, and I was there, and I was in one of the morning sessions. It was the first morning session. And, you know, washing of feet is something that we believe in. It's a servanthood. It's humility. It shows humbleness. Um, it's not something that's often taught within the church because it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. However, it's still in the Word of God, isn't it? Amen. Amen. And... Uh, so we were at the, I was at, we, meet myself, I was at the convention, and I was sitting in a group of other pastors. It was just full of pastors. And uh, I was sitting in the, you know, with them, in, you know, near the front and in the middle section. And uh, 
Our general overseer at the time was speaking. He was giving a great message. Everybody was like, yeah. You know, it was wonderful. It was power-packed. It was inspiring. It was emotional. It was uplifting. It was all these things at the same time. And he got to this part into the scriptures, and he started talking about the washing of feet. And all of a sudden, you saw these ushers get up, and they started taking these tallets and passing them down. And you could see everybody like, oh, I see where this is going. And he was demonstrating that to us to understand that none of us are so high that we can't serve the lowliest of people. That it is our job as the church to take on the attitude of being a servant to one another. Jesus is trying to show an example here. And as we we get in, it says, verse 5, after that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash his disciples' feet. And then he was drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. Every time you read that, you know, he came to Peter. Peter spoke. Or Peter, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. All right. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet also? Jesus said, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Simon said, no, you shall never wash my feet. See, Peter in this moment could not understand how Jesus was taking on such a lowly position. Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. I'm not going to allow you to wash my feet. Verse 8 goes on to say, our Savior says, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. No part with me. Now, I love verse 9 as it goes on. Then, Lord, Peter says, replies, not just my feet, but wash my hands and my head also. Another version says, immediately do these things. He didn't want no part of it. But when Jesus said, if you don't do this, This is key for us to understand. If you don't do this, you will have no part of me. Now, let's not take this verse and the contents necessarily of how it's being uh, spoken about or Jesus is demonstrating. Jesus isn't saying that to you and I specifically here, if we don't wash each other's feet, we can have no part of him. What Jesus is doing is the prime example of what a servant is to do. A prime example of what servanthood is all about. And what is that? That is taking yourself from that high esteem or high thought level that you have about you, humbling yourself, and doing for others. Jesus is saying to you and I, if we can't get to that type of attitude, if we as a church and a community cannot get to that part and understand that we are are driven, we are called by God, we are inspired by God, we are specifically told by Jesus himself, as he told Simon Peter, he said, look, if you can't be a servant to others, then you can have no part of me. I love his response, though. Instantly, he's like, you know what, Lord? Wash my head, wash my hands, wash my feet, wash my armpit. I don't care. I want to be with you. There's some more verses here, verse 10 and 11. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. Let's go to verse 11. For he knew he was going to betray him. Speaking of who? Judas in that manner. And that was why he said not everyone 
was clean. Let's jump to verse 12. He says, in other words, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. If we know these things, we are going to be blessed. He put on his clothes. He returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Verse 14 says, now that I am your Lord and teacher and have washed your feet, you should also do what? Wash one another's feet. I have set the example, Jesus says. Jesus is saying, I have set the example. Let's forget about this moment here of washing feet. Let's look at everything else that Jesus has ever done in those three years of ministry that he had. Everything that he had done, he healed people. He helped people. He went to people in their lowliest places. He was all about taking care of people. He says, I have set the example that you should do as I have done for you. I think we can all take a moment and just pause right there for me. I think we can all take a moment and take a look at our own life and do a self-inventory and say, Lord, not even say, Lord, just, just asking ourselves, what has God, what has Jesus, what has the Holy Spirit, what has it done for me? What has Jesus done for you in your life? Ultimately, we can all say, well, he's, he's, he's given me salvation. That's fantastic. What else has he done? He's given me a great spouse. That's fantastic. Right there, a great couple, 40 years of marriage. Jesus did that for you. What else has he done? He's given me a job. I, I may not care for my job. I love my job. I'm not speaking to me. I love my job. But sometimes, you know, I've been in jobs where I didn't like, but yet Jesus still provided. Why? So that I could eat and have clothing and take care of family, correct? I mean, I'd enjoy the situation that I'm in, but I know that Jesus is orchestrating everything for what? My benefit. I may not see the benefit now, but later on, there's going to be a benefit. I didn't see a benefit 11 years ago in my life or 12 years ago, but now I can see the benefit. I didn't understand everything that might have been happening when everything was so lowly and you know, everything seemed absent in life and couldn't even tell if God was around and all these different emotions. But now I can see where God was orchestrating everything one step at a time. Verse 15, I have set an example, an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater, verse 16, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then verse 17, I love this. Now that we know these things, what will we be? Blessed. blessed. You will be blessed if you do what? These things. A lot of times people say, I want to live a blessed life. I want to live a blessed life. There's your answer. What did Jesus say? If you do these things, I've set the example for you in your life. Jesus is what? The ultimate servant. The ultimate servant. What did he do with the prostitute? He kneeled down with her, showing compassion toward her. Well, the woman with the issue of blood, where no one else was paying attention to. Maybe you felt at times in your life where you, no one was paying attention to you. Maybe you were going through a season or going through a problem where no one could help you. And you felt like you were all alone. 
And the woman didn't even have to go master, master, and tap him on, tap, tap him on the shoulder. She didn't have to go grabbing him and put him in a big bear hug. No, all she did was what? Touch the hem of his garment, and instantly his attention was what? Taken to her. If we do these things, we will live a what? Blessed life. If we will take on the heart of a servant, if we will take on the attitude that Jesus, wow, just awesomely, ultimately, I don't know how else to explain it, shows us every single day of our lives. He takes the time for those who, who others may reject. He takes the lowliest and he lifts them up. Jesus does that every day for us. Jesus right here, immediately in the scripture, he's separating the difference between knowing something and doing something. Let that sink in for a second. He's separating the difference between knowing something and doing something. See, you can have all the book knowledge in the world. You can know this, this book, the Bible that you're holding in, or the, the iPhone, or whatever you use to, to, to go through the service. Whatever, you can know every word of it, frontwards and backwards. But he's separating here knowing and doing. Two different things. But we need to know in order to do what? To do. That's why it's so important for those spiritual disciplines in our life. You know, there's not a message that I don't allow them to go by. What are those disciplines? Reading, praying, fasting, worshiping, meditating upon who? Him. When we do these things, we're allowing that knowledge and that, that information to come into our minds and into our hearts and into our spirits, which will then do what? Come outwardly from us and impact others in their life. He said that it is great that you know these things, that you are aware of this example. You are aware of his heart to serve. But now it's time to change. Now it's time for us to go down a whole new path a path of doing rather than hearing alone. John chapter 13 is a constant reminder about us about all of this. But there's two things that I find interesting that I want us to look at about this chapter. The first is this, the contents of what is happening with his, within his team. Understanding in this moment that Jesus, his group, his disciples, believe it or not, they're having a hard time getting along. We think to ourselves, well, that's impossible. That's stupid. They're with, him, with the man himself every single day. How in the world could they demonstrate a poor attitude? <laughs> How in the world could they be jealous about one another? And, and all? See, number one, it's awareness. Jesus was aware of what was happening here. Jesus was aware of what was happening within his team. He, he understood that, you know what, uh, Simon Peter, he's, he, he, he's quick-tempered and, you know, the other disciples are talking bad about him and how he gets so angered and so, he's so emotional basket case all the time, you know. And then the others are probably talking about Thomas and, oh, he, oh, he's so negative. All he wants to do is doubt. They start bickering about one another and they start, you know, you, you hang out with people long enough. What do you find out about them? Things you don't like. All right? It's great when you're acquaintance because you just know everything that you do like about the person. 
But the moment you become that close-knit relationship, you find out things you don't like. You know, they chew way too loud. Does anybody in here not like loud chewers? You are going to heaven. Is anybody in here a loud chewer? Ain't nobody going to admit it right now. I got one. We're going to leave that one alone. All right? But we, we, you learn things that you don't like about. I mean, think about this. Uh, a couple of disciples that, 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 uh, that, that nobody, you know, even, even, you know, ever really hears about, like Bartholomew, right? I mean, what's this guy going to do? There's not a book Bartholomew, you know? I mean, what, what great feat is he going to do, you know? And so they're probably arguing amongst one another, and, and they're having this moment, and Jesus is aware. He's going, hmm, something's not right here. I need to hone these guys in, because after all, in a few short hours, it's not me anymore. It's up to them to spread the word. It's up to them to spread the gospel. It's up to them to be the life changers. It's up to them to do the great and the mighty things. It's up to them to see the wonders and the miraculous. And it's up to them to build the church. So as I was going through this, I was thinking about us as a group and how sometimes we, you learn a lot about one another and sometimes we can bicker about one another and we can find fault and we can get angered or disgusted and maybe we need to get aware of where we are. You know, Jesus understood the awareness factor in this moment and he said, you know what, I need to change things up here for a moment. We need to have a valuable lesson because if these guys don't get on the same page, if this team doesn't get on the same page, they're not going to go out as a team. They're going to go out as individuals. And when they go out as individuals, they're going to fail. And they're going to fail miserably. See, I take that for us as a church, understanding that we are a team. This is us. We need to be aware of where we are right now. Maybe there's some aspects of this is us that we're not proud of. Maybe there's some things about this is us that we would like to see done better. And so Jesus said, I need to give them a teaching of humility, of humbleness, of bringing themselves down to reality for a moment. They're not these all-star, superstar evangelists yet. Right now, they're still my servants. So number one is we need to be aware of where we are as a church. As individuals, where are we in our attitude when it comes to serving others? Where is it with your attitude when it comes to the person that's sitting beside you or, or a section away from you? What is your attitude like with those that you're working with or the spouse that you have or the family members that you're, you know, you're bickering over or bickering with? Where are you right now? Jesus is saying we need to become aware of this. The second thing that we're going to look at, or that we're looking at here in this chapter, that I think that is incredible, is the timing. Remember, this is the team that's going to do great things. This is the team that the Holy Spirit's going to be ushered in, and then the Holy Spirit's going to go out through them, and the great and the mighty is going to happen. The timing of it is so essential right now for us as a church. Because I believe what God is doing within us as the body of Christ, as this local church in this fantastic community. You know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people, and I'm a talker. You guys know that. I love to talk. I do. I don't like silence a whole lot. Unless it's my kids screaming or something. Then I'm like, shh, you know. But 
I like to talk a lot. And, and, and so, you know, I, I hear conversations with people and, you know, I, I see things as, as the pastor of this church that I think maybe God reveals to me. I'm not saying they're just fantastic prophecy visions or anything like that, but I see things that I think that God just instills in my heart. And, and uh, I see us on the brink of something wonderful. I see us on the brink of something just that, that is just going to be tremendous. But I believe that God is trying to get our attention here in awareness and timing and saying, look, if we don't get some things correct, if we don't get some things right, watch this, as a church, but also in your own personal life, if we don't get these things in line with what God is wanting, then we could totally miss the mark completely. And Jesus understood this with his disciples in this moment. Timing was crucial. Timing was essential in this moment because a few hours later, Jesus was about to send these guys out. It's kind of like this, you know, it's, it, I'm going to use this example. He's not Jesus, but he's a fantastic guy. John Thorne, I love him to death. He's fantastic. I love the man. I talked to him two and three times a week. And I remember as we were going through the transition of, of him, you know, was retiring, but we know where he's at now, at Chrisfield. But, and then myself coming into the role, there was a moment there where he was my safety net. I'm going to be very honest with you. If things got too hot, Pastor, what do you think? What we got to do here? This is your show, buddy. <laughs> See, the sign says you, not me, you know, that type of deal. And I remember going through that and being confident, and yeah, you know, this, this is easy. I got him, you know. We're going to, and then, ooh, he left. Woo. And then it was up to me. And it's still up to me, and I'm going, oh, John Thorne, where are you? Jesus recognized this in this moment. He said, look, if these guys don't get this right, because I, I got it, I go, I'm, I'm going to instill that Holy Spirit in them. It's going to be strong. It's going to be powerful. But they've got to get things right first. Their heart must get right. Their attitude must change. I believe that God is trying to get our attention this morning and saying, our hearts must get right. Our attitudes must change. We need to understand we're not individuals. We are a what? We are a team. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are here for one another, not apart from each other. Amen. So with that, I think there's some this is us statements. First one is this. This is us has a willingness to get involved. This is who we are. Jesus had a willingness in this moment. It said, verse 4, the first thing he did was... He got up from the table. Jesus was willing to get involved. What we need to understand as a church is we need to be willing to get involved. We need to be willing to get involved within our church because we have plenty of things that need attention. The grounds, the building, the ministries, but even more so, we need to be willing to get involved in our community. We must. Our community needs the church. Our community needs Jesus Christ. Jesus sent out his disciples to what? Build the church. 
God is sending us out as his disciples to do what? Build the church. Build the kingdom. Not swap members. To reach the lost. To reach the lost. To reach the hurting. To reach the suffering. To help those who are in need. To be an encouraging word to those who are lonely and and, and depressed. Jesus was willing. What did he do? He had a willingness to get involved. What are we to do? We are to have a willingness to get involved. I believe for us as a church that God is wanting us to put legs to love. One of the greatest things that we get as, as a compliment here at our church is that when we, people walk in, they feel so loved. And I'm glad that they feel loved when they walk in. But how do they feel when they interact with us outside of this house? Are they feeling that same love? Or are our true colors coming out? Because we can all fake it to make it when we're in the house of God. But the test comes when we're outside and we're in our community. Are we involved? Have we put legs on love? The second thing here is this. We are to see people beyond where they are through the grace and mercy of Christ. We're to see people beyond from where they are through the grace and mercy of Christ. You see, he saw beyond where they were at. That's a great leadership trait. Of course, he's the perfect leader, so he's going to have the great leadership trait, right? It's a no-brainer. But he saw them not for where they were at, but for where they were going to be. I believe that God sees you not only for where you're at right now, but I believe he's seeing you for where he has you to be in the future. That's why his grace and his mercy abound so full that he has so much to give to every single one of us every single day of our lives. So we need to understand that as a church, this is us. We need to see people beyond where they are now, but where the potential is for them later on. Instead of writing them off in their lowliest of places, we need to embrace them with the love that we're supposed to put legs on, but we can only do that if we are what? Willing to get involved. Do you see how this works together? And then the third thing here is he goes low to bring them up. What did he do? It said that he stooped down. The Bible says he took a towel, he wrapped it around himself, and he stooped down. He goes low to bring them up. You know, this speaks of humility. He didn't look at himself as so high and mighty, I'm the son of God. I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am the bright and morning star. I am the Rose of Sharon. I am the one who's going to come back again and bring these lowliest of people out of here. He did not say that in this moment. I don't believe that those words even came through his mind. The only thing that came through his mind was there's a need. 
The timing is now. I'm aware of what's going on. I'm not seeing them for where they are now. I'm seeing them for where they're going to be. I must get involved now. It says that what? He had to get low to bring them up. If Jesus Christ can recognize that there's a true need in that moment, and he himself, as high and mighty as he is, as powerful as he is, he dropped himself so low that it says he took a knee. And he began to do the lowliest in that moment. Because here's what would happen. Back in that day, when people would come over for dinner, there would be a basin of water as they would enter into the house. And that there would be a servant there to wash the feet of those who came in. Who likes feet? Does anybody like feet? God bless you. Mm. Feet are nasty. They stink. Some of you are like, I think my stink right now. Dirty, right? Feet are just nasty. Some of you got some shoes that are rank. You need to throw them out. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the message, really. But it says that when, when they would come in, there would be a, a basin of water, and they, they would have a servant there, and, and uh, that as they came in, they would clean their feet, and then they would go to the table to have their meal. As the disciples came in that day, they noticed. They saw the basin of water, but there was no servant. So, so they walked in and, huh, all right, I'm going to the table. And one by one, they start filing in, looking at that basin. The word doesn't say this. This is just my definition or my, my thoughts. Looking at it, hmm, keep on walking. You know, probably one of them goes in and, you know, because they've been bickering at one another. They're not getting along. They're frustrated. Emotions are coming out. Very real. They don't like each other. Why? Because they, they're close. And you know when close people, they find out things sometimes that they just don't like about one another, right? They're best friends, but they hate each other in the moment. So they're walking through and they're looking and they're like, you know, I am not washing the rest of these guys' feet. Bartholomew, they think just because I didn't write a book in this thing that I don't mean nothing. <laughs> you know? They're taking, I'm just picturing some attitude here. You know? Peter's like, everybody thinks I'm a hothead. I'm not a hothead. You know, he's walking right on by. You know, all this stuff is going on. And they're walking and they're walking and they're walking. And Jesus enters. Jesus is there. And it's all set up by God. He sees that basin, the timing, the awareness. He had a willingness to get involved. He saw people, not just where they were, but he saw them for where they were going. So he had an idea. I'm going to teach him something here. And he goes down and he gets low. And he begins to wash their feet. Then the th next thing it says this. Has a willingness, number four, has a willingness to get messy to make a difference. You know what the problem is sometimes in the church? People want things done, but nobody's willing to put their hand to it. <laughs> You know, people want their community to look beautiful, but no one's willing to pick up the litter. 
People, people want, people want, and people want. There's so many wanters, and there's so little doers. Sometimes we got to get messy. It says what? He took the outer garment off, and he, he wrapped a, a towel around, and he knelt down, and listen. You know, here, here, here's how we do it. There's a towel there. And this makes sense to me. Well, I'm going to keep the towel there, and I'm going to wash and dry their feet. Keep the towel there, wash and dry their feet. I'm getting somewhere here in a second. Keep the towel there, wash and dry their feet. What did it say he did? He wrapped it around his waist. And so what happened was, is when he washed and dried, it was a part of him. And he wore the filth to get them clean. Sometimes we have to get messy to get other people clean. Amen? Sometimes we have to do our part to make a difference in the lives of other people. We must become doers and not wanters. We must put action to words. We must become servants. Stay with me this morning. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says this. I love these words. The red words, right? I love these words. Jesus speaking. He says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. I didn't come to all about, you know, just this, but what? I came to serve you. Philippians 2 and 9 says that he gave himself. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that was above every name. That every knee would do what? Bow. And that's awesome. And every tongue would confess that who is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of all, but yet he still gives us the perfect example of what a servant is, what a servant is to be, and what we are to do moving forward as the body of Christ, as individuals, to make a difference in our community, to make a difference in our church, to make a difference in lives of every single person that we come in contact with. So with that said this morning, if you recall, a couple couple uh, scriptures ago, we talked about Jesus said, said that I've set the example before you. And if you want to live that blessed life, this is what you will do. Well, we talked about this. We talked about the what. We talked about the do. But now here becomes our part and here's the challenge. Who's willing to say, you know what? It's time for me to become a servant. I've been a follower I've been sitting at the table, getting fed. Kind of like the disciples. They were sitting at the table, and then Jesus is like, oh, no, we're going to turn this thing around before we start getting fed here. I'm going to show you what a servant does first. And begin to clean them. See, we come into the house of God, and we're sitting at a table. We're getting fed. 
We have a lot of disciples walking through the door every single week. And sometimes we have those attitudes like the disciples might have had, bickering and complaining and talking about one another and this, that, and another and having bad attitudes and so on and so forth. Jesus is saying, you know what? It's time for us to cast these things aside. It's time for us to put all these things aside. Let's get to the heart of it. Let's become servants. Let's start caring about one another. Let's start talk, taking, care about, taking care of each other, taking care of our community. You know, these great men and women who are here with the, the police department today, it, yeah, they get paid. That's their job. But that's a calling to be a servant. That's a calling on a life. Because, listen, they deal with stuff that you couldn't pay me to deal with. And they're probably saying the same thing about you, Pastor. Yeah, Pastor, yeah, I wouldn't deal with stuff you deal with. We all have our niche, right? That's how it is. But we all have a niche, and that is called servanthood. Because we accept Jesus Christ in our life. We accept every attribute about him. Jesus was a servant. Therefore, what are we called to do? Be a servant. So this morning, with every eyeball looking at me, and everyone's looking around at one another, who's willing to be a servant today? Awesome. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings. I thank you, Lord, for your word and how, God, you have shown us the prime example of what a servant is about, what the heart of a servant is, what the characteristics are of a servant, what we are supposed to be doing in our church, and our community. So, God, help us, help us today, Lord, to take on that responsibility. Help us, Lord, to take on these attributes that you've shown to us through your word, and that is being a servant, being a servant in the lowliest, getting low, not seeing for people for where they are, but, Lord, where you're going to have them to be. Having willingness, Lord, to, to get involved. Having awareness and timing. Keeping ourselves, Father, Lord, open. Hearing your word. Hearing that drive that you give us and that, that, that unction to do something, Father. So help us as a church, Lord, to take on this attitude. Help us as individuals, Lord, to be willing to extend that helping hand. Helping one another. Assisting one another, God. Ignoring the... The attitudes of, well, I can't believe this person's done this or this person didn't talk to me or this person's getting on my nerves. But Father, taking on the responsibility of Lord that you're son and daughter and you love them just as much as you love me. So it's my responsibility, Lord, to take care of your children. That's how our attitude needs to be, God. So help us moving forward from this day on to take on such an attitude as that. So Father, as we leave this place today, my first my most concerned thought is if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that before they leave this place, God, that they would come and see me and that we would make that decision together today, Father. Of God, as we leave this place today, my prayer is that you would open our hearts and our minds that throughout the week as we're doing our, our, our devotion time and meditation time, Lord, that we will open to receive your word and to take forth a challenge, God, that you give each one of us and and to use that challenge, Lord, to grow your kingdom. So God, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And Father, as we leave this place today, the offerings, the tithings, the givings that will be given to you, may it be given to grow your kingdom. Bless every gift and every giver in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen, amen and amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.